I shouldn't hit record yet. I gotta get. I gotta get in position here. There we go. Gotta get your slouch right. Ah, uh, yeah. My distance from the table. There's a lot of calibration involved. I'm sitting in the comfy chair for the first time. Really? You've just been putting up with the uh, folding chairs. The Glurgans, yeah. By the way, I feel like there's too much light in here. Can you turn the one uh, behind you off? Are we recording this a little earlier than usual or something? Because I feel like it's usually dark enough to turn the second light on, but right now I'm not feeling it. It's too bright. Turn that one off. It feels like the big light's on, and I don't want the big light on. Turn that no, one. that one's weaker. That one's too bright. I like the bounce of this. Wait, no. It makes too much light. Is that's the problem with it. Okay. You want to try it the other way around? I'll go turn the other one off, and we can. Yeah, we can I think try it'll it. be actually more, uh, more better. Yeah. It's more local to yeah. It's a little more local to the maybe, area. Maybe that's the thing. Is this what we've been doing typically? I feel like that light's always on. This isn't. I haven't been this isn't part of the show yet. But oh. That's I Yeah, I've noticed that. Sometimes I wander in here uh, around now during the twilight hours and you're just sitting in a completely pitch black room. It's not black. It's, it's not, not pitch, pitch bl black, but it's creepy. It's creepy dark. Like most people turn the light on when we're approaching evening time. See, it's kind of like sitting on a back porch where you're like, oh, the sun is setting. Maybe I got to turn a lamp on soon, but like not yet. I guess so. But there's not enough ambient light in an apartment to get that same sort of blue uh soft effect that you get sitting on a porch in the south or whatever well i know what you're gesturing towards but it doesn't appear that way especially because my room is also dark you, no that side of the apartment is so much darker it this really is, is very yeah. bright when you're in it for a while that's true i guess you get adjusted to it or whatever yeah. sure yeah back there it's like cavern but yeah sometimes you take me off guard because you're over there in your creep corner uh, uh, either napping or just like usually napping but either way, you uh, approach the position of an Autolesque, and you're either playing Switch or napping, and, you know, there's a half-nude Tobias-looking man playing video games in a dark room. It's, okay. You know. I'm just wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Well, you know. By your standards, that's very scant. I guess not. Not no. anymore. No. It no. used to be. You wear long sleeves in the summer now, for some reason. With a tank top. Yeah, that's weird. Because, you know, when you get to your location, you can take it off, if need be. Yeah, but isn't it hot in the meantime? Like, in transit, you're not sweating it up? No, because they're usually, like, chambrays or, like, a, a lightweight Oxford cloth. Mm, lets the breeze okay. through and blocks the UV, so yeah, I don't yeah. get weird farmer tans. I guess it's a, it's a pale skin thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, I mean, I haven't gotten dressed in so many months that oh. my standards are just... Non-existent. Yeah, yeah. I haven't worn a collared shirt in six months, I'm realizing. Huh. I mean, I just like to wear them sometimes. I need to also double check, like, do they fit? Because there was a period in mm, April, May, a lot of them, that sixth button was struggling for life. Yeah, that accounts for wearing them as open shirts over the tank. No, I can st I can now button them fully. My, oh, my, okay. You know, You've lost some weight, huh? A month of retail workout means like, oh. whew, whew, 
That's true. We're y- back. You're sort of you're sort of back. You're not getting all your steps in because you're driving to work now. I still get about ten thousand in. Just just at work. That's good. In a yeah. circle, like yeah, a yeah. gerbil. No, that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus a lot of la- I was on the I was doing a lot of ladder work. Oh up yeah, down, that, counts, down, that counts. That counts. Down, How many down. flights does it say you climbed? Ten. Oh okay. That's doing like four. For it, that's for a lot of ladder because yeah. I don't think ladders like t- typically count as a full flight. No, no, yeah, you got to do that a lot of times. Mm-hmm. That's probably, yeah, you're probably up and down that ladder 20 times a day, if not more. More, mm-hmm. yeah, good. Well, now, uh, uh, welcome to workout talk with Will Laughlin, where I haven't just e- doing human things <laughs> equals working out <laughs> and weight loss. Yeah, ding. Did you actually weigh yourself? No, oh, then no. how do you know just by buttons alone, the button standard, buttons and looking down. Oh, you can see your penis again? <laughs> <sighs> that was never a problem. Um, no, but like, you know, rolls, roll quantity and, sure, you know, you can just be like, oh, the volume. I, I also just like kind of grip the, the chunk and then I'm like, mm, okay. Oh, you know, they sell calipers for that if you want to measure your yeah, body your fat. Yeah, your BMI. You get your you get your special calipers out. Not the skull ones that I use. No. But the other kind. It's a, it's a BMI like set of tongs. I looked at them when I was very young because I was like, I would like to know how much that is. And they're like, well, grab your back fat. And I'm like, ooh, I have that. Yeah, I know. As a matter of fact, I I only know this because I sort of did this a few weeks ago. You grabbed your back fat? Yeah. Because I never realized that that was part of the calculation. Like, I'd used BMI calculators online before that didn't require that. And then I stumbled upon one that, like, needed that measurement. And I approximated it with my fingers as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, once I realized, like, oh, more of my rib, my rib cage is usually always visible, but it's, like, mm. getting a little clearer now. I'm like, ah. Oh, oh, my God. I don't think my rib cage has been visible since I was, like, seven years old. It's always visible. So even though I have a gut, I'm like, well, I can count them on the sides, and then clavicle, I can count three. Mm-hmm. It's real annoying. But I haven't used my stretchy bands in so long. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess you don't need to anymore. I do. I'm feeling a little... Like You're feeling weak in the chest? I was feeling like, you know, lifted before, like I got augmented, oh, and now geez. I'm not feeling it. He was talking about his man titties, <laughs> in case that wasn't clear. You know, got to get the girls up. Oh. <laughs> Boys? No, that's the other part. <laughs> can we talk about something else? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can talk about the bidet that's incoming getting delivered tomorrow. Wait, what the fuck are you talking about? It's a toilet seat attachment. I have seen these online before. How much was it? $70. Okay, I wasn't asking to m- make fun of you spending coin on this. It, it, it's just that I think the verdict seems to be the cheaper ones are going to be unimpressive. But this is one of those ones that's like advertised on podcasts. So I was like, well, maybe I, I'm very it's like s- Mac Weldon, Mac yeah. Weldon, silver underwear. What made you want to do this? Well, I returned the romper that I bought. Oh, because it got shit stained. What? <laughs> no. That's the correlation to the bidet. No, it's, it's no. The, the cost was the same. Oh, okay. It was seventy dollars for a stupid like onesie, which I was like, okay. Wait so a minute, you ordered a romper? When was this? Like two months ago. Oh, because I've been getting romper ads on Instagram, and I'm like, I romper Jack. Yes, yeah. I'm like, I don't look at this shit. What the? Why the fuck? It, w- it kept showing up in my feed, and I was like, fine, I'll buy one. Maybe wow. it'll go away. Oh wow. And then you did it on the same Wi-Fi, so now I get to experience it too. Uh, yes. Um. But it never shipped, and I was like, "Can I get a refund on this?" It never shipped, and they're like, "Sure." I'm like, "Great, I'll buy." I got seventy dollars. It was spent seventy dollars. So when you're just like, "Well, let's just keep put it back in the economy." Yeah, this is well, this is a typical habit of yours. Yeah, you know, can't save money. 
you, you must spend. <laughs> Must but consume I have, product. I have saved money, which is the wildest shit. <laughs> like, I can't <laughs> spend it anywhere. I can't do anything. So anyway, that went into the bidet, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's going to be kind of crazy. And, and then I got those the strip light for under the cabinets. I mean, I need to caution you that I must insist you keep that thing clean. I don't know how to clean a bidet. I don't it's, know how it works. The nozzle, like, shoots on itself and cleans itself. Yeah, that's not going to last very long. Why are you going to blow it up? Jesus Christ! I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I don't know. I mean, I'll definitely try to use it. I've never used a bidet before. I haven't either. Even when I've been in Europe and I've like seen them, I didn't understand like how to do it, like which way to face or what. Well, this is. It just is in the toilet. I understand already. what this is. I know, but even still, it's like. Yeah, you just. You know, it's going to be a little intimidating. It has like an aimer. Oh, jeez. And flow knob yeah but it's only going to be cold water uh-huh so w- w- brace yourself what water supply does it come from do you have to like hook it up to the to sink to the tank okay the, easy there's right. just you know, just take the the existing pipe that fills the top of the tank yes and then just it, there's a little diverter thing that goes in all right well we'll see if this can work i mean i'm just saying we live in an old building i've, I, I've I, fucked I looked, with that toilet before and it's pretty unreliable already i, l- I looked at the the piping and then went, oh, everything's actually right here, which is surprising. Mm. Well, I trust your examination of piping. Always do. <laughs> Most of the time. Mm. Except that one time. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> wow, that's pretty wild. What? I'm, j- I'm just saying, like, it's pretty wild that you ordered that just as an afterthought, basically. Yeah, kind of. I was like, well... I tar- this is why I don't like targeted ads because I will just get worn down. It's not that I actually want the things. I'm just like I'm tired of seeing it. I'll buy it and then will you shut up? We like, were and we were having work. this conversation in the car the other day because I was talking about something. I think it was like those scooter companies, Revel or whatever. I was like, what's the real end game here? And blah blah blah. And it it uh transitioned into a conversation about targeted advertising, and we were talking about how it doesn't work. Like I don't think it works at all. No, but it does work. This is how it works. It just Being through worn sheer down, yeah. repetition, people eventually buy the thing. This is why I don't understand like Hulu ads where they're like, buy a car, buy a car, buy a car, buy a car, buy insurance, buy insurance, buy a car, buy insurance, buy a car, 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 car. I'm like, I'm not buying a car. I- I've always thought that that was an accident of the algorithm that it just doesn't, it's not smart enough to really anticipate your taste. So it tends to fall into the same rut, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking now that it's much more intentional than that. And it was yeah. sort of stupid all along to assume it was a mistake. I think the tech companies are smarter than that. It's just sort of like this this uh, clockwork orange thing where they just show you the same image enough times, and eventually it gets burned into your brain. You buy it. Just I, out of, like, maybe the ads will go away once it's done. And, and the one thing— Sometimes I, they do. Yeah, they. well, I think once you buy it, they at least get shuffled down the list mm-hmm. for a second. But, yeah. you know, the thing is, too, I mean, this whole conversation came up because I was surprised to get the ads. Like, I always remember them. Hmm. They stick out in my brain whether they're weird or whether they're repetitive or whether they're boring. Mm-hmm. You just have no choice but to see them. So yeah, unless you're off social media entirely, which is, I'm trying to get there, man. Mm. I actually, I actually it. think I'm going to be able to. I think I'm going to keep my troll account on Instagram and get rid of my real one. But why? I think social media is really bad for you, <laughs> and the le- the less that's such an obvious point, but the less time I've spent on it, the less a lot of things bother me in life. Yeah, yeah, and also it's basically like Instagram's the only thing I have left. 
So it's oh, basically yeah. just turned into Facebook at this point for people. And, you know, hey, you gotta get, what can I say? You if you enjoy lo- Facebook, I'll, I'll, all the more to you, but don't bring it to other platforms. You got to get a little it. more trigger happy on the mute. Oh, that's true. Maybe I do. Yeah. It, it might be time for a good mute mute party. And you just boop, 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 boop. And then you're like, ah, I'm only seeing the things that don't look like, you know, your aunt's Facebook uh, my point is I just don't want to invest that much time into it one way or another. It's like, five minutes. Uh, but still, like, why sit there and, like, manicure an experience that I don't even like? Mm. You know? You would never you would never go to a restaurant and, like, get some bad food and then go back and be like, well, next time I'll just play around with the menu a little bit. Like, if you got food poisoning. Oh, And it's well, like, yeah. Instagram gives you food poisoning, gives you eye poisoning every yeah. time you look at it. Mm. So what's the point, really? Sometimes you get some, some giggles out of it or... Yeah, I used to, but not anymore. Mm-hmm. Memes have gotten less funny because culture is decaying. I don't know. I don't want to get into this whole jam again. I feel yeah, like the last couple episodes I was whiny. Well, and I want to mea culpa and try to be fun this time. So let's talk about something else. When is this fun going to start? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, you know. When's this fun time going to begin? Um <laughs> No, I think that's right. You should just get a LinkedIn, and it's actually and if it, oh, you should. It's so much fun because he, this is it's not fun actually, but it is like an actual cesspool of things, and you're just like, oh, wait, how is it possible that LinkedIn could be a cesspool? I thought it was like for employers, so wouldn't everybody try to be on the straight and narrow on LinkedIn? No, because you know when in fi- when I was in finance, they're like post things that are not necessarily about business, so people can get a sense of your personality and that but, is really horrible but advice. choose them from this list of pre-approved things oh to cross but and i was like boy. i fucking hate everything um so people will treat it like they'll like share business memes and like business like posts of like someone did a nice thing at walmart and i'm like i don't fucking care oh God. like do you know how terrible you are and like there's people who are like i'm a professional like dating advice person i'm like how did you get on here this is facebook Oh boy! Yeah. Just get a Facebook ad. This is trap. Like I don't get it. Uh, it's really alarming to me that so many people treat uh, their internet life in terms of templates. Oh yeah. Like there's no originality at all. I mean, in fact, that's my whole problem with Instagram now is that e- everything from politics memes to actually funny memes are just templates that people fill in. Yes. Without reflection. Uh huh. Or repost or whatever. Like that's how you know the internet's no fun anymore when everything is repost. And there's very little original content, and even the original content that comes along is basically a template, too? Yeah, it's just a whirlpool. Everything's spinning and regurgitating at the same time. The thing you said about LinkedIn is just so obviously dystopian and bizarre. Because it's get... all the everyone's aunts who are on Facebook doing it again and another thing, but they're like, it's from my work friends, and I'm like, yeah, shut the fuck up. I don't up. know. I don't know. Again, I, I'm, I'm so sorry, listeners. I really don't want to talk about this anymore. It, it's just there's there's nothing to say about it that's not uh, bleak. So, but did you see that Olay ad that I got yesterday? No. Why did you send it to me? I put it on my stories. No, it, again, I'm not spending a lot of time on Instagram. Yeah. I don't look at people's stories anymore. It uh, it was an Olay ad. I think I took a screenshot. Let me read it for for the listener. Uh oh. Here's a couple minutes. I'm gonna have to cut out. <laughs> Please, bro, use this moisturizer, bro. It has broad-spectrum SPF to help protect your skin from the sun, bro. It doesn't even clog your pores, bro. It's so light, it doesn't leave your skin all sticky, bro. Bro, just try Whip SPF 25 Moisturizer, bro, and it's of a man crying with an Olay. I shouldn't have spoken so quickly. I did see that, but it went uh, in one eye and out the other, I guess. Why did I get this? 
here's the thing. It dovetails really nicely with what we were saying a minute ago, which is that everything is a template. Yeah. So they just took a thing that started as a funny meme and made it into an ad. Was and that even a meme? It was. It was? Just the uh, please, bro, blah, blah. Like the, oh. the template of that language was a meme, yeah. Is a meme. But I guess now it's an ad, so now it's nothing. The... I, I did click on the comments because I was like, this is the worst piece of trash of advertising I've ever goddamn seen. So then they were, people were just like, "The this is straight trash. This is what the internet has. Like, it was like, and then the one thing was from a, a Karen lady who was like, bro, what is this BLM? And I'm like, okay. Yeah, it doesn't make anybody okay. happy. It, it makes uh, Facebook Karens mad at it for some reason because it says for it's conf- male identified, I guess. Oh. Or she somehow associates it with Black Lives Matter? That's Because they weird. use the word bro 17 times. Black Lives Matter would never use the word bro because bros are colonial. So, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, we really got to get off this. It's 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 terrible. Yeah. We all know it's bad. We've talked about it a thousand times. Mm. You know, uh, the New York Times did another alien thing. Did you see this from two, three days no. ago? <laughs> oh, God. The same reporters that had been reporting on those videos and stuff that came out, they like mm-hmm. interviewed a bunch of people in the Pentagon and Harry Reid and stuff, and they got some pretty like wild quotes from people. <sighs> that that as close as a government official can do to outright stating that they've captured craft that are not familiar Was, to them. Wasn't it like off uh, off I, terrain built? I, I, it was it was something like not of this world. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, it's all just, it's all, all the New York Times does anymore is just get reports from, like, an official said, you know, you could, so you just have no idea if it's credible or not, who who the fuck they're talking to, but I tried talking to you about this one other time on the show, but I cannot figure out why this is all happening right now. It could be a simple explanation of just these two New York Times reporters happen to be interested in this stuff, which they obviously are, Yeah, and keep pursuing it for some reason they're super bored but the fact that the government is kind of copping to a lot of this makes me very uneasy i mean not to bring it back to the algorithm but it was also showing me like my explore page was filled with like what is this thing in the sky and taking me down like ufo pages and i was like okay i'll scroll for this oh yeah and i'm like that's fun internet that's always good but it's also just like that just looks like a drone uh, you know, mm, a lot of things, but then there will be like these big hulking shadows, and I'm like, that I don't like. No me gusta. You know, I don't know. I've never been convinced by any still photograph, especially in this era, because just photoshopping things is so easy. Yeah. Eh? And like, what does a still photograph really tell you? Like, the reason the videos that the Times put out a couple years ago were compelling is that, like, it's irrefutable how fast the thing is going and the way that it's moving. Yeah. So, like, that's interesting to me. And the fact that the pilots in the video have been interviewed and stuff and, and they're are like very yeah we don't know yeah it's like that's really amazing that's way better evidence than like some fucking picture of a guy that threw a frisbee you know yeah it's so that kind of stuff i found a hubcap and i tossed it in the air and you're like okay it's fun to it. look at like today i saw a picture posted on the conspiracy subreddit that was supposedly um of a dead gray with a soldier after Roswell. Hmm. And like at first blush, the picture looks great. It's just a really great Photoshop spoiler alert. Yeah. But the reason that people figured out it was fake is they were like, Oh, see how there's a glass bottle IV in the background. Well, yeah, that's period from 1947, but the makers of this Photoshop weren't clever enough to realize that the plastic hoses coming from the IV weren't invented for another couple decades. They were black. So there's just like obvious stuff Mm -hmm. in there. 
that always discredits these things. There was a creepy video where like some dudes were in a hospital and all of a sudden like this table moves and then this little scurrying creature runs across the background and I was like, well that also could just be like eh. Oh, let me ask you a question. What time did you leave for work this morning? Can I guess? Around 9:30, a little after 9:30. At 9.30, yeah. At 9.30. Okay, because I woke up uh, unusually early this morning, hmm. and I've been having a hard time sleeping. We can talk about that in a mm. second. But uh, I woke up really early, and I was just kind of sitting in bed on my phone, and I didn't hear all the sounds of you, like, making breakfast or, like, taking a shower or anything. So hmm. I just saw under my door, like, the movement of a shadow back and forth. Oh. And I don't know if you were conscious of this, but in my opinion... Maybe I was still half asleep, but you were unusually kind of quiet. And all I could see was the shadow. And I eventually realized what time it was and that you were still home. Yeah. But I've gotten so used to waking up and you not being here that it really scared me for a second. Because everybody, you know, Erica has described that about the creepy pink house she used to live in where like shadowy figments are the way that like spirits and ghosts and shit present themselves Hmm. and i was really worried about it for a second like viscerally oh it's because i didn't i wore sandals Mm. i was i was you know slippy sliding around i'm I'm a little my squishy little birkenstocks which are like little silent silent guys yeah oh okay yeah so so even though i was like gathering all my things i was like like real quick right right because it's just like walking on foam there's no shoes are clompy yeah, yeah, there was none of the clompies. No sounds. clompies, yeah. Our apartment is uh, very loose structurally, so like floors and walls and doors and paintings and everything kind of rattles normally. Yeah, no. Or maybe that's just me because I'm a big hulking, like, clumsy mess. Well, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that was the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I've uh, every now and then I'll see, like, something that looks a little weird moving, but then I'll, like actually pay attention than usually or more than more often than not i'm like oh roach gotta kill it yeah yeah the, the, you gotta die now I, I honestly think just the repetition of seeing bugs out of the corner of my eye has instilled a kind of fear in me because mm. i don't get a haunted vibe from this apartment never have no and, which is kind of weird because i think new york city just kind of brings that energy on its own that yeah. so many people pass through every place that even if somebody dies somewhere, it doesn't carry the same valence as like a house yeah. that maybe only three families have lived in or something. Yeah. You don't, you know, nothing resonates with a particular person's like presence at all. No. So I've, even though this place is from 1907, I think. Oh, one. Oh, one. So yeah, you would imagine that at one point it was probably a multi-generation family living in here. Yeah. You know, and then over the years, countless people since it's been divided up i mean cynthia only bought this building in the 80s so yeah but that's only 80 years yeah i don't know maybe not but but like if you think about it like that upstairs apartment was probably an attic it was not ever meant to be lived in right right so like no one lived up there that was just stuff and then people lived from this floor down and this was like a parlor level so this would not be like uh bedrooms yeah yeah I mean, all I'm getting at is that New York has a lot of like lively energy, living or dead. You know, it has the it has the transmissions from the past, but they're very unclear. And then, like, no matter what time of day or night it is, there's always something going on on the street or in the backyard. Like, you never feel alone here. Yeah, I also feel like the ooky spooky cookies yeah. don't happen in New York. I really don't. That's what I'm saying. I really don't think that they do. Period. For the most part. Like, I I don't think of any part of New York as haunted or alieny. Oh. 
aliens definitely not because they would get caught here. Too bright. And I think that I think that the UFOs, whatever they are, are very conscious of being incognito most of the time, unless they need to surveil something military, in which uh, case they're willing to be exposed in New Jersey in order to gather some info. Yeah. Or well, no, like those UFO videos were like out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, or like they'll visit like yeah. missile silos. There was a big incident, I think, in the during the Cold War at some point, maybe the seventies where simultaneously in the USSR and in the United States there was UFO sightings around like our missile silos. Hmm. And they even, according to reports, even activated the missiles to demonstrate that they could and then turned them off, these craft. Hmm. Just as like a flex of like, hey, this is your best weapon, you know, we're not impressed. <sighs> but you never know. That's the type of thing the government would never admit to. Openly. No. Anyway... What the fuck were we talking about? I'm hauntings, sorry. I have you. Haunti- oh, haunt, ooky spookies. Yeah. They're not in New York. Although, the other night when we were out, Rory told me the craziest story. Did you hear about the guy that got dismembered yeah. on the Lower East Side? Yeah. I was totally unaware of this, but that's a really crazy story. It's uh, presumed he owed some people lots of money and then. Well, well, let me tell it because I'm sure there's people listening that don't know. Mm. He was Basic- a tech guy, right? Yeah. Basically, what happened was the the murderer was an assistant mm-hmm. of some tech CEO. And the CEO found out that the future murderer had stolen $90,000 from him. And so he fired him. Duh. Mm-hmm. But apparently, this enraged the guy for unknown reasons. I mean, just losing your job right now probably make people flip out. So he went back to the guy's apartment. And not only did he murder him and cut him up, like, over the course of hours, I mean, he really dismembered him and, like, put his body in different parts of the house and stuff. He went crazy. It was real, like, Patrick Bateman style. Hmm. But he took the guy's credit card and then, after the murder, left and just went around town spending the dead guy's black Amex. He was at parties. He was, like, with his friends. Like, he was just (sighs) acting completely normal afterwards until they finally caught up with him. Well, that's a sociopath. Yeah, of course, of course, but... That's fucking wild. I, I don't remember the last time I heard about a murder like that outside of like cartels doing it. But that's what it was like suspected. Like the circles that they were in were very like uh, suspicious. Like owing 90, taking, owing that guy $90,000 also meant like you might have owed like a trail of $90,000 of people who were going to fuck you up. That makes sense to me as far as, like, flying off the handle and, and doing something brash like that because, yeah, if you're stealing from your boss, you're probably stealing from a lot of people around you, and you're just figuring, fuck it. It's only a matter of time till it all the house of cards collapses. Like, that guy was the nicest buffer between yeah. you owing $90,000 and you uh, losing a couple fingers. You know, I, I doubt it when it comes to tech people that they have any, like, connections like the mafia or the cartels where there's more violent people involved. I, was I just, thought it was, like, Saudi tech. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe. But, like, I, I, don't, I wouldn't think so. Not in that world. What I meant was just more like this guy was probably committing fraud in, in a vast way. And as soon as the one person figured it out, everyone in his life was going to figure it out. And he would yeah. be financially ruined. Not violently ruined. Maybe, you never know. I mean, this happens to a lot of people. Like, that big uh, mass shooting in Canada in April. Did you hear about this at all? No. The largest shooting in Canadian history happened in April. And it was like a guy that went on a GTA-style spree in a fake cop car. And he drove around a town killing a lot of people in the town. I think it was 20-something. And burning their houses down. And he didn't get caught for like 18 hours. What? Yeah. 
he was like at it for a long time before they finally caught up with him. But long story short, there was some weird financial transactions right before it popped off, um, where he like withdrew four hundred and seventy five thousand dollars from a particular bank that was like only accessible to the police. Like it was very mysterious hmm. circumstances, all having to do with finance. But like my point being that it's not unheard of for people in dire straits like that gambling yeah, debts whatever like, to just do something insane that's like classic mafia gambling debt maybe i mean drug debt the working theory with the canadian guy is that the he got the four hundred and seventy five thousand dollars from a brinks depot which is not usually accessible to civilians no. but that's how the uh rcmp the royal canadian mounted police that's how they apparently are able to withdraw money when they need to do stings and stuff mounties can go to brinks yeah, our police departments can do that too. I mean, when huh. they, when they need large sums sums of oh, money, oh yeah, Brinks to has like, a lot of cash. Well, it's not that Brinks has the cash; they give them the cash, but it's a high security place. It's not like a bank where you can walk in with a slip and take out that amount of money. Oh yeah, that's most true. banks don't have that amount of cash on hand anyway, but Brinks always yeah. does. Yeah, and institutions use it for like high level transactions. Like, for example, I don't want to impugn him in anything he's not responsible for, but like my my uh, cousin is. Uh, federal officer in ICE, right? Mm -hmm. When he has to transact drug deals undercover, that's how you get the money to do something like that. As you go to Brinks and you're like, I need $1.2 million for this bust. In marked bills? Yeah. Wow. But so anyway, how would this mass shooter have had access to a Brinks depot? No one can really figure out. Hmm. He had other vague connections to the RCMP. Like, it's a really wild situation. Maybe he had an FOM card, like a friend of Mountie card that they let him in, (laughs) you know? (laughs) He just rode up on a horse and was like, "Fill my saddlebags, bro." Yeah, and pro- I there mean, you maybe. Go. Hey, yeah, my cousin, the same, uh, self same cousin, one time gave me like a friend of ice card, <sighs> and I, you know, I don't even drive, so I would have no cause to pull it. But I don't think those work. Hmm. I've never heard of anybody in my family or whatever like getting off because they're like, "Hey, I'm the cousin of." Also, th- someone no one's don't ever give heard a of. Shit. No, yeah, they don't no, care. No. Yeah. It's only FOP cards that get you out of tickets, maybe. I think they get you out of tickets if you're, like, in the same community that your relative serves in because everybody knows each other. Yeah. When I was in high school, this actually happened to me. Um, My mom was a city council person. Uh, She was done with city council by the time I got pulled over in this case, but she was known in the community for having served for, like, a few years. And I got pulled over and... The guy recognized my last name. He still issued me the ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got to court, they just dismissed it. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. It was total uh, privilege and nepotism. The one time it ever worked. For yeah, me. That, that's how that works. That's how, uh, you know, politics works. That's that's the point of politics at the, at the end of the day, right? Oh, yeah. Um, no, in all of my time, you know, working with, police for a year i was promised a card once and never received it oh man do you think there's any precincts in new york city where you could run into somebody that you Mm -hmm. knew yeah oh nice well that's good i mean if you ever get pulled over somewhere they're all in reason no they're all transit cops (laughs) all the nice ones were transit cops if if you ever have a run-in with someone on the subway they'd be like Huh? You? Oh, you go, go. You can jump that turnstile. We don't give a fuck. Actually, here, take a card. Ta- why why do you think it is that the transit cops are the nice ones? Their their days are not as, you know, they're not doing drug busts or like doing any sort of like 
shenanigans on street level. They're really just like, keep the trains moving, guys. We're not trying to slow anybody down. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're just like, can you keep it keep it rolling? Um, on the other hand, though, I, I I would imagine it would be psychologically difficult to be underground in the subway all day. That would be yeah. a little maddening. Like, you'd be living outside of time in a weird way. Yeah, you're basically just like a mole person. Yeah. Um, but... You know, on the off chance, sometimes they get to chase someone with a machete. Ooh. And tackle a guy and be like, we got him. And they're like, what did you do? And they're like, he's got a machete on the fucking subway. He doesn't need that. The transit cops carry guns and stuff, right? Like they're Tasers. Fu- tasers, yeah. That makes more sense. You don't want to be shooting in a packed yeah, why subway the fuck? car. No, that's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, hearing them test tasers at 7 in the morning, that'll wake you up. Because mm. they test them in a little tube. It's a like metal pipe, and they just shoot it in the metal pipe. Do they have to test them every morning before yes. they leave to make sure they work? Are you talking about a taser or a stun gun now? I don't know. Does it shoot little um, spikes on a wire it's to shock the person, or is it just a thing you touch them with? It's yellow. That's all you know about it. But you watched them test it, no? Yeah, but they just hold it up to the thing, and then I, you just hear... And then it shocks. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's called a stun gun. Oh, well, they have those. Tasers are different. They probably have both. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I ask because, you, again, the idea of projectiles in a crowded space seems like a bad idea. You could very easily stick the wrong person. So, yeah, a, uh, a stun gun's basically like a cattle prod, but small. So you just yeah, like you hit a little, them, yeah, you just yeah. touch them with it, and they go down. They're commercially available. Yeah, of course. This is America, man. Everything's commercially available. Oh boy. Well, not Remington's because they're bankrupt. Uh, I was talking to Ron last. Remington's bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Ooh, they're filing for bankruptcy. Wow, really? Didn't didn't you want to buy their stonks? Uh, I didn't. I wasn't interested in Remington in particular, but gun stonks, yeah. Yeah, no. Wow, I'm gonna have to look into that. Would you know anything about the circumstances of that? No, it just popped up on my newsfeed. It seems sort of impossible that in the current environment that any gun manufacturer is going out of business. Revolver manufacturers. That's not all they make. Mm-hmm. But wow, that's crazy. I mean, th- and that's also, I mean, say what you want about guns in general, but Remington is an American institution. Well, you know, maybe not for much longer. Wow, wow. That's wild. Or okay. they just have like a bunch of debt and they're like, we want to get rid of it real quick. Yeah, but I mean, a corporate bankruptcy is not like a personal one. You don't really come back from that. I mean, I guess you can, but like, y- y- it'll be like what happened with Trump where like they, maybe they can just sell off the IP of the Remington name yeah. as a license, but like they won't have any uh, means of production anymore. Potentially. There's, you know, there's two ways to go about it. So it could just be equity leveraging uh-huh. or it's like we want to get rid of the stuff. Yeah. It's not like a liquidate. I don't think it's a liquidation version, because when when companies hit that liquidation one chapter, chapter eleven, that's the that's bad. That's when you're like fire sale, burn it all down, mm-hmm. and maybe Most. you can get the equity back. But like, if it's chapter seven or chapter nine, it's just restructuring. Oh, okay, okay, okay. like organizational restructuring to show that you can put yourself on a path. That makes sense. Maybe perhaps that's why I didn't really hear about it. Not that I would have anyway. It's just that. That's probably happening to a lot of businesses right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, almost everybody. Brooks Brothers, another American institution, uh, all the Ann Taylors, um, billion, a hundred, like, there's at least 27 right now who are just like, gotta go. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, speaking of stonks, I'm officially in the market now. And you I'm doing some, pretty well. You bought some Disney stonks? No, I didn't buy the Disney ones. I'm still holding out uh, mm. for longer on Disney. Mm-hmm. I bought a uh, two different cloud this computing is... companies. 
Just to be clear, this is not a recommendation for any of the sorts of buying or selling of uh, further stonks or any sort of business ad- uh, or legal advice. Uh, yeah, I'm running a pump and dump on Cloudflare <laughs> cloud and Fastly for a few dollars. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. You never know. Oh, man. E- the Elon Musk of bed Oh, boy. No, I don't know. It's, there's nothing really interesting to say about it other than it feels weird to play with real money in this way. Uh, I was talking to you and uh, a couple friends the other night about, or actually it was when we were in the park, about how I'm glad I don't have access to casinos because I get that thrill. Oh, Well, yeah. it turns out that Robin Hood gives you access to a really big casino. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's and a, it's very fun. But I'm, I'm, I'm being responsible about it. Mm. I waited a long, long time. I did a lot of research because you know how long I've been talking about this. I think I cut it out of the one episode where we went off on this tirade. But it's like a, this has been a month of stonk talk. Yeah, I've been looking at stonks for a month, mm-hmm. and then I finally bought some now. But I bought a very small amount, and I'm just going to see how that goes. Like basically, I'm playing with one tenth of what I intend to play with, just to see how it works and how it goes. Huh. Um, and then, then we're really going to go to town. Then you're cooking with gas. Then we're cooking with gas. Oh okay. yeah. Oh yeah. I'm gonna oh. get into options trading. Ugh. That's the real gambling shit. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad shit to go down. Nah, no. I mean, you could. Yeah, you could really end up pretty fucked. Yeah, you could. But luckily, <laughs> it, but luckily, I don't have enough money that I think that that could happen to me. Mm. One bad options trade and I'm out of money. So. Oh. <laughs> then, then you're. I'm fine. It's not like, God. I mean, but you can always refill that account, you know? So that's where people go real, really wrong. Yeah. Uh, mm. I mean, just go to Resort World in Canarsie. Oh, I forgot. That's the casino out there, right? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder, is it open now, no, you Absolutely think? not. I bet it's not. No. Uh, speaking of Ron, or did I, did I already tell you this? What? I'm mixing myself up. Never mind. Uh, back up. Cut. Doesn't matter. We didn't talk about Ron. Um, Do you want to get to your point, or are you self-editing? Right <laughs> sorry, now? I, the robot just got a little twisted <laughs> up. Uh, my dad was just in Vegas to visit my sister mm-hmm. and her new baby, um, and he was describing the scene on the strip. And even there, it was like very bleak, because they're literally only opening the casino floor and nothing else. So like. You know, when I've been to Las Vegas, it's kind of fun because you pop in and out of the little bars or you go to a show. There's no restaurants open? There's nothing. Oh. He said that they were open, but only during the day. So, like, if you want to go to the Strip at night to, like, have drinks and play cards and then, like, do something, there's nothing else to do. But gamble and drink? So, it's just the hard... Are they giving you free drinks? I'm sure they are, yeah. But it's just the hardcore gamblers that are left. Oh, so that's grisly looking. Yeah, that's never good. It's a little more macabre. A lot of people smoking cools. Ooh. Yeah. And they talk like this. Yeah, they have oxygen tanks. Yeah, I mean, smoking it down to the butt. There are some some shows reopening in August, I believe. They're gonna try it. Are you talking about Vegas or here? Vegas. Here, oh, absolutely. Not. Yeah, yeah. Broadway's done. Um, yeah, they say that, but that's not gonna fucking happen. But like the amount of money to go into putting on even one show and you have to do it at fifty percent capacity, yeah, no. I don't. Yeah, because I don't. Uh, frankly, I don't think their margins are very good on those things anyway. I think those are really expensive to put on the ones that I've seen anyway. There's some smaller scale ones yeah, that sm- I guess maybe mid size ones, but Cirque du Soleil also bankrupt. Yeah, yeah, that I heard. Mm-hmm. So like, you're not going to have any like aerial cartwheels going on anytime soon, which that could be fine. Maybe the Blue Man Group will go out of bankruptcy. 
or into bankruptcy. They still have that theater on the Lower East Side, you know. What? Oh, no, that's Stomp that's that Stomp. I'm thinking of. Sorry. Anyway, yeah, well, those are both just holdover acts from the 90s. And you think where Stomp is is Lower East Side for shame? What is that, Alphabet City? It's same sh- mm, same shit. It's like uh, East Village. Who cares, man? Why are you being pretentious about neighborhoods right now? I mean, I just don't want to confuse the listener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's why you did that. Uh, yeah. I'm a little bit of an asshole. Um. Anyway. No, I mean, I, it, uh, uh, in L.A., they're putting food court restaurants in mall parking garages. So, like, you can go to Din Tai Fung in a parking garage. Oh, God. All of this is just so bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm like, maybe just don't. Maybe just sounds, sounds terrible. It like, does sound terrible. And also, like, at that point, you're just inside. I guess you can spread things out a little you're bit inside, more. You're inside, outside. You yeah. Know, the air, like, it's not going through an HVAC system. It's going through, like... Yeah. But it's... Uh, parking garages are, uh, you know, not the most... Sanitary atmos- or nice-looking. They're horrible. Also, like, oh, yeah, you're getting fresh air, but so much exhaust from cars yeah, rolling around, like... I mean, it's not like there's going to be cars in there while they're serving people, but it's like the whole place is just caked in exhaust dust and grease. It's, like, disgusting. That's also, disgusting. Also, like, so I you know, got a dongle from the Apple store in the mall where I work. Cause I was like, Oh, maybe I'll just, I'm down, you know, I'm down the corridor. I'll just be like, Hey, can you just slide it through the front doors? And they were like, no. I'm like, what if I meet you by your back door? So I don't have to go outside and come back inside. And they're like, no. I'm like, why are you not working with me? I'm literally five fifty feet away. So they have their own drive up pickup thing in a parking garage. And if you thought, the future is bleak you're right because you have to walk up to a plastic table and then they slide it in a tray across like a folding table oh that's so weird and i'm like can we just like i got a mask on you got a mask on just give me the shit like also like who gives a fuck i know i don't know let me just roll to the back door and be like can you grab my order thank you bye bye things like that are just incredibly performative and Pointless. It was uh, it was like this like it, it was this like we're doing everything safe in a parking garage. I'm like this makes it look like a drug deal. What are we doing? <laughs> like this white bag has like you know a pound of weed in it. Like it's stupid. I was like, uh, also no one needs to do this. You, you could holding ju- man? Yeah, I got that cushy dongle. I got that cush dong, bro. <laughs> it's like you know for thirty dollars, it's not a bad deal. Um, but I was like, this is just bad like you could also just not do this like just don't do this yeah i don't know i don't know everybody's coming up with stopgap solutions so that they can have their employees work and like appear safe but i'm not really sure what that accomplishes honestly i don't get it i truly don't get it yeah i guess eh, i don't know whatever everything i was gonna say is logistical and boring and won't happen so who cares what do you mean I was thinking, like, oh, why don't they just have a window in the mall? But then it's like, oh, you can't let people in the mall because then people are walking all over the place. It's just who cares? It, whatever. I'm, I'm done. Ta- I'm so bored of talking about coronavirus. I mean, yeah. Th- there was a there's a guy named Bill Mitchell. Do you know who that is? Yeah. He's like a pretty well-known lunatic conservative hmm. pundit. I don't even think he was ever a politician. He's just like part of the commentariat, you know. Hmm. Um, but he made a tweet the other day. That was like, hey, guys, if we all just stop paying attention to the virus, it will go away. We just need to stop paying attention to it, and it won't have to be a part of our lives anymore. And you know what? 
he means it in a different way, but I'm very, very sympathetic to that take. How how you mean? He's fundamentally right about that. That like what drives everybody up a wall is the optics of all of this stuff. And that like we've already accepted tacitly or actively that we're not going to do anything about this other than virtue signal about it. So I know he's trying to mm. own the libs and he is because they'll be mad about this, about even what I'm saying. But frankly, the ship has already sailed. I feel like I've expressed this sentiment yeah. before, but it's like the ship's already sailed. So yeah, we might as well just stop acknowledging it because all the same people are going to get it anyway. It really well, doesn't matter now. Also, just it's like, over now. My thing is like, once once the realization was, you can do all your normal stuff if you just slap a mask on your face. I'm like, okay, great, done. Yeah, basically, that's the only concession that I'm willing to make anymore is that I understand that masks are effective, and yeah, they kind of work both ways. Like, there's no harm in that at all. Yeah, and everybody should do that. Yeah, but other than that, yeah, basically, life could just come back to normal at this point, and we could forget about everything else. Well, in New York, everywhere. Mm. Because they're already doing it everywhere else, and you think it's not going to hit New York again later? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but they're they're fucking up real hard. Again, L- L.A. is failing miserably I, right yeah, now. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm just so exasperated by talking about this. I, I was thinking the other day, this is maybe an interesting angle on this. Hmm. I have so no- so much nostalgia for the early period of the pandemic already. <laughs> <laughs> Are you feeling Vacation? this? Vacation? Are you feeling this at all? I mean... I'm wondering, because like, you're back to work, so like... Y- and it's got to be kind of miserable in the state that it is. I just don't know why I'm doing it. Right. Because there's nothing. Like, I did my I did my two weeks of getting all my shit done. And now I'm like, so what do I do now? And they're like, uh, you're done? I'm like, yeah. I'm good at what I do. So I'm done. They're like, what do you mean you're done? I'm like, Every, I, I'm making up things to do. And they're like, okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was on mic or, or at least I don't think so. But I was kind of encouraging you when you first started to go back to work, like, hey, man, slow down. I put the brakes on after a week. I was because, like, um, yeah, done. you're yeah. really going to because and now the you know, I don't know. I don't want to put your personal work life out there too much. But now they're having you do extra things, basically, because you finished all your stuff. Whereas, yeah. you know, I'm going to and don't get me wrong when I make this criticism of you, because I'm very much like this as an employee as well. But like actually smart wage slaves figured out a long time ago to do everything 10 times slower than you actually want to do it and that always works out there is no punishment for that i know it's difficult though if you're the type of person like you or i psychologically i kind of can't i can't get myself into that space i just want to do things efficiently i also just want it done yeah like oh it's done now great well because really like if work arrangements were based around getting paid for your productivity and not for your time oh Love it. We would be the best employees because it would be like, hey, uh, here's all the things you need to do today and be like, great, I'm going to work really hard on this for two hours and then I'm leaving. But you should get paid for that the same as working very slowly for eight hours. But for whatever reason, um, I mean, that's where I'm at now. I'm like, well, the man from FedEx showed up. I'm done. Bye. Like, and they're like, no, that's fine. We don't, there's nothing for you that's to good. do. That's good. Just I, leave. It's like, cool I don't that, care. I'm like, great, thanks. It's cool that you have a cool bosses that are willing to do that. Because that's that's really how all labor should be, ultimately. They're also running out of stuff to do. So I'm like, yeah, this, sure. is, this is sick. <laughs> well, and I think in companies where, like, work from home culture has become such a thing over the last couple months and ones that have been doing it for a long time, realized this a long time ago, that ultimately if you do your projects, we don't actually care that much if you're working the rest of the yeah. time. Just get your work done. That's how everything should be. I was talking to Alex, and she said 
they're not fully reopening their offices till 2022. Yeah. Uh, and I went, oh, oh shit. I think a lot <laughs> of uh, tech companies are doing that. I, th- I think it was Google that I saw the other day that did the same thing. They, they are not, they're not not reopening their offices, but if you want to work from home, you can yeah, till 2022. But she was like, yeah, I'm working like 12 hour days because everything takes so much longer. And I'm like, that sucks. Yeah, that That's does suck. I mean, not great. I, I I have heard a lot of negative things from the work from home people as well, but like ultimately things take longer because you're just waiting for correspondences to come back and forth. Uh-huh. But in between that, you're not doing anything. You could also go for a run. Like you can do things. Maybe yeah. maybe you can, maybe you can't. But even if you can't go for a run, like being in your home and being able to watch TV or just read a book or do something in between waiting for emails is way better than being at work and pretending to look busy. Yeah. But imagine, uh, but in her case, she's like, "Well, me and my husband are both working from home, so we have to trade off on the good Wi-Fi spot, depending on when we have." Ugh. And I'm like, "So I was like, imagine we were both working from home, and it was like I have to be closer to the router now." I'm like, "Well, I have a conference call. All right, well, fight to de- fight to the death to oh, get the yeah. good reception. Like, it, that's not great. No, for your psyche. Like, th- like you should be able to like, if you're gonna do like a full eight hour work day." At home, you should be like, I worked for four hours. I'm, I'm gonna be back around three, at this like at noon per se. It's like when you wake up, you're already checking email. So like, who gives a shit? Um, obviously, I have no experience with this because m- my job is not work from homeable. Um, but I've read about people online say that what they'll do is basically only work for the hour or two that they actually have to work, and then they've written scripts on their computer so that the mouse and, um will still move around and will open the appropriate windows, windows yeah. at the you know more or less appropriate time to make it look like you're still online. Because um, I don't think it's like this for the new startups, but the ones that have been working from home for a long time, you have something installed on your computer that tracks activity. Yeah. And that's how they know whether you're there or not. Mm-hmm. And so people will just automate that process. So they literally only work an hour a day. And then the other seven hours, they just leave their computer moving around. It doesn't even have to be moving you can just have it open i uh there was a gentleman uh nearby who was work from home so just like on a day off just go over for a nooner he's like i'm like do you need to keep working he's like no it's open as long as it's open on whatever i'm like sound off great let's go bye yeah yeah i mean i think there's some complications with that like because think about like how uh, aim used to work or how discord works where yeah it's open but it'll say that you're idle or inactive and give a time for how long you've been away oh, like and stuff Slack like that. So yeah. all you need to do is move your mouse or click on a thing every once in a while in Slack or on Discord, but it's easy enough to just figure out yeah. how to write that. Yeah. Um, oh, but back to the beginning. Um, nostalgia for the early pandemic. Yeah. You don't have this at all? That's what we started off talking about. No, because that was anxiety. Really? Because was, it wasn't I, for me. I was doing a lot of phone. I was on the phone for like two weeks. Or like a week and a half, and it was very stressful. Um. Yeah. I mean, I guess I kind of remember that, but, but I didn't leave that chair, like the chair that I'm true, in, for like true. an entire like three days, just like on the phone, on the phone, on the phone, on the phone. I'm like, make this stop, make it stop now. And it's like, mm, no. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's what we were just describing. Is that that's what work from home people have been going through now for six months or whatever yeah. is just constantly being on the phone and yeah. having to sit there. I mean, I, I wish I could go back to the time when the Switch was new and I was just 
you know, jumping into Hyrule. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about, because you're talking about the first two weeks or whatever, which I would kind of agree with you, because even I was kind of working from home at that yeah. time. I still had to be on my computer doing things at least part of the day. Yeah. And, and still answering emails and stuff like that uh, to a much lesser extent than you. But yeah, that part felt weird only because you were in suspense. Like nobody knew exactly what was going to happen as far as furloughs and stuff like that. Everybody had predictions and ideas. But, you know, once that kind of stuff actually happened, I feel oh, like. Oh, yeah. It I was a big like, like pressure valve. God release. damn it. Yeah. April and May were great. Yeah, I think April was the best time because the weather was so bad. Yeah. And you're just like, well, I'm just an indoor kid for now. Great. And my studio wasn't 103 degrees. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was also the total lack of FOMO. Like the fact that at yeah. that point, everyone was taking the lockdown extremely seriously and all parties, all get togethers, all leaving your house. Like everything was just canceled. There mm-hmm. was no obligation at all. Yeah. And now we've just been in this liminal state all summer where, like, it's sort of open. It's sort of not open. There's sometimes things happening. Some people take it more seriously. Some people are more open about it. Like, this to me has been much worse. Really? Much, much worse. Yeah. Psychologically way harder. I mean, I kind of, like, like I, I went out to uh, an actual bar, not an indoor one. Yeah, that's right. An outdoor one. And... Uh, Granted, like, when a whole party of, like, mid-20-somethings are celebrating a dog birthday at a a bar, I'm like, you could have done this anywhere else. This is insane to me. Don't bring 10 of your closest friends to, you know, a backyard. But, like, when it's just pods of people at different, like, very far apart picnic tables, I'm like, this is fine. I don't mind this. We're outdoors. Also, I don't care. I mean, yeah, it's not... not The anxiety for me right now has nothing to do with attracting coronavirus or potentially giving it to anybody else like frankly that doesn't even seem that plausible at the moment like hey maybe if things tick up in new york everything will get really serious again but what will happen is just another version of the lockdown another half-assed lockdown will happen. yeah but it, it's more from the idea of like this the constant self-consciousness of social distancing or not social distancing mm-hmm. or seeing everyone in masks like part of the joy of the beginning of the quarantine was that it wasn't in your face. I mean, I remember talking to you about this on the show. Like it was a little bit scary that in the background, you knew what every siren in New York city meant. Oh yeah. That you was know, fucked up, yeah. like that, that felt kind of fucked up, but at the same time, like except for going to the grocery store, it was not in your face how dystopian this actually was, but mm. now it's in your face every day all the time. Um, and the combination of isolation that's still hanging around, but enough activity, but in this bizarre way. It's very, yeah, it's weird. It, it's it's really dissonant to me, and I hate it. Like, either go one way or the other. Either be open, and we're basically like life is normal. And I'm not saying I endorse that. It's just that that would be more conducive psychologically, hmm. or be completely isolated, and you get used to that. But the in between space is the worst. It's really bad for me. It's. So, let me use a for example. So, on Sunday, I went to Manhattan to go to the grocery store because Papa needs snacks. And, of course, I'm going to go downtown Manhattan. I'm going to go to Soho, park my car like like I do on a Sunday, gingerly stroll through a Trader Joe's, and then leave, right? I don't want to interrupt you, but 
it's completely insane that one of your favorite activities is to drive into Manhattan to go to Trader Joe's when not only are there Trader Joe's in Brooklyn that you could go to, parking was there's easier. also a pandemic. Like this would be weird outside of that, but it's extra weird now. I think Continue. I ha- I think I have to explain that parking in Manhattan astonishingly easier than downtown Brooklyn. Your just love of driving and doing errands is what it I will... It was also like 90 degrees and I wanted to ride in my car. Okay? Well, I understand, but I I'm think... I'm basically a dog. I, I wanted th- to go for a car ride. I think the listeners will get where I'm coming from in that that's unusual behavior by any standard. Anyway, please continue. I wanted to go for a jaunt. Anyway, so I'm walking around um, and like stores are closed and, and you know, whatever. But like every brunch spot is open. It's a certain kind of person that's out brunching on a Sunday in Lower Manhattan. And I was like, ugh, this is the worst of humanity out right now, like on full display. Like you don't get the like full like economic swath of things. So this, when you say like a lot of things are closed or not open, I'm like, there are a lot of people who truly have no money to spend, which is a part of it. And that's why certain things stay closed that I love because like, you know, but you know, there's no one to support it. So it stays closed. Yeah. But then you have... The douche canoes out sipping rosé at two o'clock or three o'clock who've been there since eleven thirty. Sure. I mean, you know, I don't I don't hold that against those people or resent them. I think it's a little delusional to just sort of carry on with your life as if there's nothing going on and like the most important thing is doing brunch. Like I don't vibe with that at all, but I do understand the desire to just get on with it. Yeah. And just carry on, but like what you said about the economic fabric, I think, is the really important part that like that's what always made New York City um, charming, less so in recent years, but that there was always a demographic and economic mix no matter where you went. Mm-hmm. And now it isn't that way at all. No, because if you're out, it's a sign of privilege, which is Basically. really it, in that, you know, that makes me uneasy because it's like, I mean, I, I was happy I drove down Grand and Saigon Bon Me was open. I was like, great. We're back, baby. Yeah. But, like, you know, one of the Italian grocers was still closed. Which, you know, on its face is, like, a specialty thing. But also, like, because it's a, you know, a 70-year-old grocer, like, the prices are still reasonable. So the old people who, you know, you'd have regular old people who went and bought, like, ham. Right. But that's closed because they're like, we're not fucking with this. And I'm like, eh. And they're also not going to make money because those people are too frail to go out and do that. Right. So, like... There's it's this like tipping scale of like, oh, the shitty brunch place on King Street is going to be like popping. But like your old school institutions that have kept prices low and provide a, a quality thing that are, you know, integral to the fabric of New York in a very specific way can't function. Yeah, that's right. And that makes that makes me itch in so many ways. Yeah, because ultimately the brunch people are annoying for the same reason that they've always been, which is that they're loud assholes that are flaunting their privilege in front of the entire world unknowingly. Knowingly. Uh, Knowingly, but... but Aloof. Unselfconsciously, yeah. yeah. Uh, And they're just doing their normal thing, but it's very pronounced right now because poor people either don't have any money, so they can't do anything, or they're at work because they've been at work the entire time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a combination of that. It's a combination of the gestures that are necessary, like the social distancing and like wearing masks. Like I just find the visual of masks really awful. I don't like it that you can't see other people's faces. I think it's awful. 
I don't mind. I, I kind of don't mind it. Like I, I don't know. It it just disconnects me from seeing other people as human. Everybody is some sort of like light version of a RoboCop walking around. You're like, oh, you're not really. I can't get a full sense of you without your face, and I think that's just like a very biological uh, imperative. Well, you you know the thing about emojis in the U.S. versus Japan, right? I don't think I do. So, like, it, because in China and Japan and Eastern countries, because mask wearing is generally a sign of respect during cold season, right? Like, you just you just do that. Yeah. Um, their emojis change to be more eye based. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, like versus ours are smiley, fi- or you know, lower portion based, whereas like you know, a smile. In a Japanese emoji would be like the upticks, up up carrots. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, obviously a smile on the bottom, but the emphasis is more on the eyes. Right. V- versus here, we're like we need to know what the you know the third thing is going to be if there's a third thing. So like I don't know, like you can kind of read eyes a little bit more, but maybe a little bit. But I think that's also the problem in New York in particular is that um, we all have you resting know, bitch face. Yes, and the etiquette of the street and of the subway and of public places by and large is you don't make eye contact with other people because you're around so many people that it's understood that the crowd is there to make you anonymous. We all make Mm. each other anonymous. If, if contact is necessary or novel, you'll absolutely do it. That's just part of American culture. Yeah. But there is like an unwritten thing in New York where like, you don't gawk at people. You don't leer at people. You don't people watch in that way. Like, you know, maybe fleeting glances or whatever, or like if something funny happens, people look around at each other, but you're mostly just going about your day. So that's still going on, and yet you can read nothing else. It, I feel like New York in particular is bleak right now for that reason. I think this might be a you problem. Uh, explain, because I think you're right, but I can't put my finger on it. I have a lot of experience with the public, like too much of it. And like reading body language is like, second nature reading people you know when you have a crazy person in front of you because you're not looking at anything else but their eyes and you're like oh let me just buckle myself in for this one right now because you just look them in the eye and you're like got it and then respond accordingly like and you you know know, but how people carry themselves matters more and it's hard to read body language it's very difficult to like intuit that quickly Sure. And that's maybe part of the problem. Like, and the eye thing, like, you, you just, uh, that's just, you need to be around more people. I, I think that's well put. I don't think your example is bad or anything, but I think you have to keep in mind that most of, when you say you have exposure to the public, I actually disagree with you. I have more exposure to the public than you do. I'm more willing to talk to strangers voluntarily and things like that. You have transactional interactions with the public where you are just an agent of a faceless thing to them. So I understand what you're saying in that you need to be able to read cues, but like there's a very distinct purpose in mind for both parties. Each person needs to get what they want. Um, But when I have interactions with the public, which I used to do relatively frequently, um, it was more humanistic and not transactional. And right now, there's very little of that happening. I mean, there's a lot of transactional uh, you know, at well, the listen. End of the day, every lot, you know. every every interaction has a transactional component, I guess. Yeah. But I'm talking about novel interaction rather than purposeful interaction necessarily. Yeah. But you know, you do have to do the thing of like, is someone going to tell you a story, and you're like, okay, or is someone like, I want to fight, and you're like, okay, well, we're not going to do that. Like, and that's just 
you know, you don't even sure. But uh, my point is that when you're when you're in that space, you're representing somebody else, and that person is representing themselves as the aggrieved party or the interested party or whatever, which is to a certain extent true of all interaction. But it's yeah. not spontaneous. That's a very synthetic situation. Oh yeah, because I'm putting a mask on before I even deal with them. Exactly. You, so. all, you maybe that's why the masks don't bother you is that you always have one on in all of your relationships. Uh huh. You know. Um. I think that's true of you psychologically, like from the deep past in a different way, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I guess I, I, I don't know. From my perspective, I'm really lamenting the idea of masks or the conceptual like notion of masks right now um, because I, wanna, I want that to be done. I wanted that to be done for myself personally, and mm-hmm. it was starting to break, and then this happened, you know? So I think your analysis of, of it being a me problem is correct. I, I Well... Thank you. Uh, but also, like, I I, I don't... This is why I don't find it that strange. I'm like, you, you look around and you can just kind of clock so much that, like, adding a piece of cloth, I'm like, whatever. We can, you know, I can see... You can see around it. That's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, we're going in circles a little I know, bit. We're going in circles a little bit here, but that... Yeah, I, I really don't agree with that. I, huh. I feel like without... without um. It's not even facial expression because that's only a thing that you would encounter if you did eventually choose to have an interaction with somebody. It's really just like, um, I feel like somebody's vibe comes entirely from their face. It can't only come from their eyes. It's the combination of how they hang their arms, the pace of their yeah. walk. No, the their body eyes. language like, matters so much more. But too. it's also yeah, and and it's it's also guarded right now. And I think it's not only because of masks, but it's because people are paranoid, rightfully. I think people, I don't know, I feel like people are a little, their body language is slightly squared up, but it's more casual than I think you, I don't know. I'm I'm seeing a lot of, a little bit more relaxed shoulders out in the world in a very strange way. Because, you know, I was in a, a Target in Elmhurst today, which, you know, ostensibly should be the most like, huh, guarded place. And people are like, I'm just trying to get about my day. I'm still going to bitch about this line. And I'm like, damn, you're still going to do that? And they're like, yeah, we love it. I'm like, okay, well, so it goes. Like, not much actually changes when you put a restriction on their movement. There's still this, you know, people are people was the best uh, note of advice I ever received. And I was like, huh, that's the simplest way I ever got that. Thank you. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, people can be people, and they're terrible. But, you know. Or they just are, and they're not going to change. That also happens to be a quote from Tommy Wiseau's The Room. That tracks with <laughs> the person who told it to me. I'm going to ask from him From the character about Mark, I believe. I'm gonna you know, people are people. I'm going to ask him about it. Um, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I don't mean to be... People are so... I'm going to interrupt you. People want to go back to their normal way of being so badly, and a lot of it is like older people, quite frankly, or like people who are forty and above, or even thirty and above, or just like, can I just live my life, please? I think that's most. I think that's most people. Um, actually, what yeah. If you're I, below twenty-eight, I don't count you as people. So you know, but it's it's them too. Maybe even them more. I mean. Mm. What I was going to say dovetails with that a lot. I, I think that maybe I'm struggling with it because I haven't made that much of an effort to get back to normal. Hmm. And I think it has to do with that pandemic nostalgia a little bit where like the beginning of this felt great. And then there was some undefined period and then it started to feel bad. And now I 
am looping back to like, well, how do I recover that feeling rather than how do I move forward? Mm. Which is a psychological problem of mine dating back my entire life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I haven't made much of an effort to reintegrate into society. So maybe everybody else is dealing with it just fine. And it's really bizarre to me because I'm just starting to venture out or whatever. Yeah. Although that's been for a couple of months. Um, yeah, it's always hard because I'm always tempted to try and diagnose the world and pathologize mm. society along really uh, from a macro point of view. Not worth your time. Um, because it's impossible. Yes and no. Yes and no. Like, like, like I take the point, but I always um, hate when people say that because I understand that really all you can do is take personal responsibility and try to work on yourself. Mm. Um, But what's fascinating to me is society. So I I always, I always get a little upset when it comes to these kind of conversations because I'm not very articulate, so when I try to gesture towards what I think is a macro problem, everyone just says, well, it's your problem. And it's like, that's not true. I mean, um, one of the smart things that I heard is that uh, when an intelligent person says something that sounds really simple, you should take it really seriously. Um, And when a stupid person says something complex, you shouldn't take it seriously. Mm -hmm. And I'm never sure which one I am, but I would hope that, like, my friends would extend me the courtesy of, like, I'm not just projecting all the time. No, I'm not, I, I'm not trying to say well, that. Well, I know that. I know that. But it's but it's it's a realization that I'm having in real time right now that it's interesting to bear that conversation out because I I am unsure of that myself. Mm. You can never know whether you're sane, basically. Well, and whether you're starting to lose it or not. And I and I think that's ultimately like w- why the world is uncomfortable right now because everybody's on that precipice. Yeah, that's why I'm comfortable. Um, projecting to some extent and saying that like my pathology cannot be just unique to me no and it's shared it's shared but it's also like people's coping mechanisms are you know so all over the place right now this is why it's hard to like when you're talking about path pathology it's like it's actually incredibly difficult because you have true buck like there's no traditional categories of coping right now it's just buckshot all over the place which is wild, and you're like, oh, that's a new one," um, and it's and it's hard to like, you know, what I was talking about was typecasting. Like, you can't do that now. You're just like, I don't know what this person's going through truly, and they're not giving me that much in their body language, so you kind of have to take a best guess. But you don't know, so you kind of have to do the thing of being a good person and kind of give them more benefit of the doubt than you normally do, which I hate doing. But I know you do, but that's an excellent point. That's really true. That's a hundred percent true. Like, I mean, I was very happy when I was out at Tradesman. Like, that tip jar got filled up three times in the three hours that I was there, and I was dropping all my cash just went in the the thing. And I like, because I was like, every drink was five dollars. I tipped five dollars. So I'm like, if I'm here, this is not good for this. You know, ostensibly is you want money because. Oh, it's bad for them on every level. It's bad for their exposure to coronavirus. It's bad because the working conditions are bad. It's bad because that bar needs a ton more money than they're ever going to be able to get. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, take all my cash because then you can just pocket it. Like, we'll Venmo the fuckery, whatever. I don't care. But cash, you guys can walk out with like 40 bucks from one person. And, And then I saw like it was just filled up so much more. I was like, this is what I like to see. Like, if you're going to do this, like, 
if you're going to be an asshole who goes out, make sure you ball out even if it's a dive bar. Oh, yeah. Uh, God, uh, now I'm just imagining the character that's still, like, not tipping or just tipping a dollar on a dollar drinks, on which a drink. Which you know is going on in the I I did see that, and I was like, I fucking hate you people. But No, like, that that's a, sh- that's a s- sure sign, like, on a first date, if a person is not a good tipper, that they're human garbage. And if you're going to a bar right now and not treating this as, like, penance for your indulgence... Like it's you're a tr- an animal. That's horrible. It's also do. like I'm treating this as a treat. Let's treat the treaters. Yeah, you know, like who treats the treaters? Rorschach's <laughs> 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 <coughs> um, Journal, October twelfth, two thousand twenty. I tipped my bartender twenty five dollars on a six dollar shot of beer. <laughs> I got that boiler maker ready, and I was ready to make the world burn. Dog carcass and alley this morning. Okay. Tire tread on Burr's stomach. Ew. This city's afraid of me. Maybe not. <laughs> um, <laughs> do we need to acknowledge the like kidnapping in, on 25th Street yesterday or no? Kidnapping on 25th Street? What is that, a Broadway show? I thought they were out of business. <laughs> well, technically it is because it's a, a charade of... What happened? NYPD tossed someone in a van oh tossed somebody in a van i don't think i want to talk about that on the podcast because people will get mad at me oh. and, I, and, and i and i don't and i don't say that lightly because i'm not really that afraid to talk about anything on here but like i also don't think i have anything uh, to say other than that's fucked up uh yeah, okay yeah i don't know going in an unmarked white van i'm like mm. uh look it's great. it's n- i, I would great. i would concede that it's not good no matter how you look at it uh but I don't want to get into simple narratives right now. We just had a nice conversation that I think was like... We had a fun one. I thought so. And, you know, maybe a potentially... It was illuminating for me. You know, I learned a little something about myself. Oh. That's nice. That's always good. Feels nice to do that. Oh, so strange. Um, I don't want to squander that credibility by... Uh, oh, you don't want to sp- squander the goodwill of the people? <laughs> yeah. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. I'm an enlightened despot. <sighs> No, it's, you know the phrase, right? You could be a dictator who's not only feared, but also loved. Yes. And I would be. I would never try to invade Russia. You leave them alone. In my empire, we're going to get all of Europe. Don't worry about that. But we're going to leave the Russians right where they are. They can always go east. They have endless east to mm-hmm, go in. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. The Russians and the Chinese, you just leave them alone over there. I mean, what are the mountains over there? Uh, the Ural Mountains. Yeah, don't cross the anal mountains. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ural mountains, whatever. I want to keep talking, but I guess we should stop. I mean, do you want to end it here and then you can do like a secret one for the non-existent Patreon because no one's used it? Yeah, sure. This is me plugging you the sh- Patreon. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. You want to just, yeah, all right. Papa wants Papa wants $5 a month from someone, please. Okay, that's anyone. great. That's great. This can you make a dollar over. tier? Sure. We'll call them. It's not like it matters. We haven't contributed any content to it since like April. Well, Throw throw the throw the vault on there. Throw the trashy episodes that are terrible. On yeah, there. maybe. Okay. I mean, you know that means a lot of work for me. Unless you want to do it. I mean, you could do it. You know how to do it. What other work do you have to do? I'm busy, man. Where? I'm busy trading stonks. Where? I gotta, yeah, I gotta look at the stonks all day long. Otherwise, I don't know when to you get in set, and we you get know, out. You know how to set an alert on your phone. Speaking of people setting up cursor advisories, like you know, you can write a little thing of like. Ding. I understand that, man, but I have to have my intuition dialed into the market, you know? I can't rely on alerts. It's too late by the time that comes along. 
Anyway, uh, this episode is over. Kay. Goodbye. Bye-bye.